0: Hello and welcome to the Sex Within Marriage Podcast. My name is JD and I blog over at UncoveringIntimacy.com and today we have another roundup of questions. uh, This time from April of this year. As always, these questions come from our anonymous have a question page, so there's no context other than what we've received in the question and no way to get any more. Our wonderful supporters have helped discuss the questions and shared their views in our forum. And today I'm going to share mine, which often draw from those discussions. And if you want to be a part of that ongoing discussion and conversation and see the questions as they come in, uh, check out our support page. So let's just jump right into the questions. Uh, These two came in about the same time. They're clearly from different people, but it's the same question. Um, So I'm just gonna answer them both together. Uh, The first one, they wrote, uh, my husband died in August, and I'd like to know if it's a sin if I touch myself sexually. Uh, the second one wrote, my husband passed on four years ago, and I haven't had another man touch me in any kind of way, but... I still need to know if it's all right for me to play with myself. And I get this question every month or two and rather than go through the entire argument again, I think I'll just refer to my post uh, called Is It Sinful for Widows to Masturbate? And I know many of you are going to want to argue about that so you can do so there. Uh, There's a link in the show notes if you want to read it and you can join the discussion on that page. Question two uh, writes, Hello Jay, longtime reader. I want to see if you or someone in your group can shed some light on this. My wife and I are approaching our first anniversary. We were married as virgins, as God would expect. The only trouble is we still have no idea really what or how intimacy works. Uh, We've never had intercourse still to date, but we've done other things. We're both responsive desire individuals, so that makes things more difficult, as we almost never remember that it's something God expects couples to do. I also recently discovered that I'm on the autism spectrum, something neither of us knew before getting married. This makes things even more difficult yet because being on the autism spectrum means I don't quite understand various social or emotional situations. Romance is not something I understand at all, nor do I understand foreplay. I was wondering if you or anyone in your group could share some, shed some light on sex and intimacy when one partner is on the autism spectrum. It's probably the greatest challenge at this time. Thanks. Okay, let's start with a bit of a side note. I don't think God expects us to be virgins at marriage. I think God expects us to be flawed humans. I think he desires us to be virgins so that we can have the most fulfilling sex lives possible without the burden of previous experiences. Um, So I just wanted to start with that. Uh, After that, I was curious as to why you hadn't had intercourse. Is it because of pain or erectile dysfunction, lack of lubrication, sensory issues, or something else maybe neither of you are terribly interested in it uh as for romance romance is complicated uh made more so by the fact that different people mean very different things when they talk about romance and they're almost all feelings based, which can be very difficult for someone on the spectrum to associate with as people on the spectrum tend to bury a lot of their feelings because emotional regulation tends to be difficult. Uh, it's easier to shut everything off than to deal with the wild ups and downs. Even if you don't disconnect emotionally, trying to understand neurotypical emotional responses can be difficult because there are nuances that don't tend to happen as much in people on the spectrum because emotions get kind of pushed to the extremes. At least That's my take on it. Um, Technically, romance is a feeling of excitement and mystery associated with love, which tells you really very little. Uh, Plus, I think that when most people talk about romance, they're not talking about the feeling, but rather the expectation of a partner doing something that evokes these feelings. So now you're trying to do a behavior which changes for every person so it's very vague to try and evoke a vague sort of emotional response which is similarly difficult to define or describe. So frankly, I don't even bother. Uh, rather I try to go with another definition I heard once, which is romance is meeting a need before they even realize it exists. Now that still has some pitfalls. I mean, how do you know it's a need if they don't, especially if you've only been married for a year, but as you get to know each other more, uh, you start to see these needs. Uh, I used to tell my wife to take a shower, not because I thought she smelled bad or because uh, she was dirty, uh, but because I knew to her it was important and she would forget to, which happens a lot if you have young children. So making her take a shower was meeting a need of hers before she realized it was one. Uh, After she had a a shower, she'd feel much better. And if she hadn't had one, then she would just feel worse and worse and worse, but maybe not be able to pinpoint why. So, I would consider that a romantic gesture. Now, you're not going to see that considered a uh, romantic gesture in a movie or in a book or anything like that, but for her, it was. And uh, I try as often as possible to get those moments where she asks me to do something and my answer is, it's already done. Uh, I try to anticipate her needs and then do them. Doesn't mean I get all of her needs met before she knows them, not even close. But I think at this point, at least once a day, I usually manage to get a step ahead of her recognition of at least one need. Um, so that's how I deal with romance. Now, this is particularly difficult for many on the spectrum because, well, people on the spectrum often struggle to anticipate other people's feelings. But I believe it's a skill that can be learned. It just doesn't come as naturally. So practice. Ask your spouse a lot of questions about what they need, why they need it, when they need it, and then start to see the patterns and behaviors and anticipate them. Um, It'll be the work of a lifetime, but well worth it. Now, one of the benefits that some people on the spectrum have is that a lot of them tend to be very, very good at pattern recognition. So while you may not have the natural faculties to pick up on these things and anticipate it naturally, if you can learn to build kind of these models, see these patterns, uh, understand them, then you can actually get much better at anticipating them than neurotypical people. Because while they're doing it just as a matter of course and it just occurs to them, um, you can actually plan and anticipate them further ahead. So don't think that being on the spectrum is necessarily a detriment. It just takes a little bit more practice. And foreplay is similarly complicated because the definition has shifted a lot over the years. Uh, historically, foreplay was defined as any sexual activity that you do before intercourse to prepare for intercourse. So kissing, touching, manual stimulation, oral stimulation, using vibrators would all fall into that category. But those things are going to change for everyone. For some, kissing gets them in the mood. For others, they don't enjoy kissing until they're already aroused. So it would be bad foreplay these days foreplay has been extended to include any and all things that get you in the mood or make it easier to get you in the mood or don't block you from getting in the mood. So people will say things like doing the dishes can be considered foreplay. If quote unquote chore play makes it easier to get your spouse in the mood, uh, being quote unquote romantic in general is considered foreplay. Uh, an oft repeated quote lately is foreplay starts when sex ends. Uh, So in other words, when when you're done having sex, then foreplay starts for the next session, uh, however far away that is. Uh, While I don't like the large burden this tends to place on men in particular, on the other hand, I think it's awesome that we acknowledge that intimacy is holistic. Every part of your relationship is integrated into every other part. So how you treat each other during your daily life is going to affect what happens in the bedroom. So... Have a discussion with your spouse and find out what sort of things get them in the mood. Get them aroused, get them turned on, or stop them from getting turned on and getting aroused. Uh, Do the things that get them turned on, don't do the things that don't. Uh, Basically try that. Uh, And If you don't know what to try, maybe check out our free Truth or Dare game. You know, the first level is all foreplay ideas. Hopefully that helps with all the confusion and gives you some things to try. All right, question number three. Hello, I recently discovered your podcast on Spotify when I was searching for biblical perspectives on dealing with a sexless marriage. I'm in year seven of marriage and we have two toddlers. The sexless marriage is my fault. We have sex every week and a half to two weeks, and for me, it feels completely connectionless. Uh, The first reason I call it duty sex is because she only gets in missionary or doggy and wants me to hurry so that she can get back to what she really wants to do. Reason two, she says she can tell when I'm getting melancholy and she will offer. I've asked what I could do to turn her on or what she likes sex-wise and she doesn't know. Do I have unreasonable expectations of how sex should be, as in both of us enjoying it? I turn down sex and suggest cuddling when she's only doing it out of duty. Is that the wrong move? I love my wife and we have a great life together, but it's almost like I'm a husband in the friend zone. I'm doing all I can to honor God with this marriage. Leaving, cheating, porn, and masturbation are all off the table. I'm married and burning with passion. Some nights I feel like my side of the mattress is melting. What do I do? All right. So, It sounds like sex isn't very fun for her, and that's not uncommon. The longer I deal with couples and their sex lives, the more I believe that women need sex to be more varied, adventurous, and exciting than men do. Or at least it's more strongly tied to their sex drives. I think while men tend to desire that eroticism, women need it without realizing they do. Uh, While it's often the men pushing for more adventurous sex... The women tend to get more of a benefit from it. That is, while the men think it was cool and sexy in front, etc., the women are the ones who tend to see their ability to orgasm increase, get stronger orgasms, and experience a larger, larger sex drive increase. Now, it's not universal, of course, and what counts as adventurous will change from couple to couple, and there is a danger of pushing too far too fast, which could have the opposite effect. But... On average, I'd say that women need more excitement in the bedroom, often without realizing they need it. And this comes out very strongly as a theme in romance novel. Um, They are full of adventurous, erotic, and even transgressive sex. What arouses a large percentage of the female population, it seems, is being pushed into more erotic situations than they ever dreamed they'd enjoy, and then being able to say, well, it's not my fault, he made me do it. And of course, that's very politically incorrect to acknowledge these days. Nevertheless, that's what I've found. So, I'd say try out something like the Truth or Dare game that I mentioned earlier, because it has those elements in it, uh, pushing more erotic play while giving her plausible deniability that it's something she desires. You know, she can play the, it's not my fault, the game made me do it card. I think uh, the game Sexy Memory would also possibly be a good candidate for you for the same reason. So give those a try. I'll link to them both in the show notes. All right, question four starts with, thanks for taking my question. My wife and I have a really good sex life. She seems to really enjoy it. My question is that when she tells me she has had an orgasm, there are no pelvic contractions but afterwards she becomes very sensitive to touch i noticed in one of your articles you note that contractions are part of the female orgasm should i assume that she's not really having an orgasm or maybe it is not of sufficient strength to produce pelvic contractions i'm sure if we communicated about it she would say everything is great but her body just does not work that way i can't help but think she's missing out on something thanks for your consideration of this question. I think it's hard for some of us men to believe that our wives don't feel those contractions. Uh, the contractions we feel during orgasm are very noticeable due to the structure of our genitals. I mean, those contradictions are pushing on a relatively long lever, the penis, compared to women's genitals, which are much closer to the body, and so there isn't the same sort of sensory amplifier going on. Uh, that said, some women feel these contractions, and some of them feel them very strongly, Um some as little pulses, and some don't feel them at all. And if you're a husband performing manual stimulation, sometimes you can feel them, and sometimes you can't during her orgasm. Uh, Plus, while men's orgasms tend to be more uniform, women seem to experience a much wider variety of sensations when having an orgasm. Uh, We've been married for 21 years now, and the last few times we've had sex, my wife has said, I don't think I've ever had one like that. And I agree, it looked different than all the other ones she's had from my perspective as well. Um, The point is, don't assume that just because she doesn't fit in a very narrow box of what uh, you think an orgasm should look like that she's not experiencing one or that it's not real. So, yeah, I wouldn't assume anything when it comes to female orgasms. Just enjoy the wonder that they are. Question number five writes, Hello. Hello. My wife and I enjoy a great sex life. We have four children, so the only mutual hang-up we have is sometimes having intimacy before we are too sleepy at night. We do have a different definition of risky or exciting sex. I want to have sex outside, not in public, but on a private balcony or maybe in a wooded area. These never broach her mind. I also like to ask her what's your fantasy or what can i do to you that hasn't been done more times than not her response is nothing or i just want to be with you or i don't know Um, this is very frustrating to me as i'm looking for ways to excite our sex life but often will get met with what feels like a lack of imagination at best or lack of care for my wants worst case it's obvious to me that we both have different feelings about what amounts to risk. Am I wrong to want to add more adventure in our sex life? So my wife and many other wives are the same way. Uh, They don't have those types of fantasies or if they do, they don't dwell on them. They just flit in and are gone and forgotten trying to catch them can be maddeningly difficult as it's often just a quick quirk of the lips or something. And then you have seconds to ask, what were you just thinking about? Uh, I've only managed a handful of times in our 21 year marriage. Uh, but these ty- these days, my wife is starting to become more comfortable with telling me about them. And when she out of the blue says, you know, what might be fun. You know, my heart always skips a beat because there's about a 5% chance that it's going to be something sexual rather than something like strawberry picking. Uh, But as I said in an earlier question, I think wives do want more exciting sex, but maybe you're jumping too far ahead. I would consider my sex life fairly adventurous, but we've never had sex on a balcony or in the woods or anywhere outdoors yet. That's a big leap for my wife and it sounds like for yours as well. So maybe try baby steps in another direction first. Um, I don't know what that's going to be for you and your wife, but I would probably bet you could probably find something in our sex exploration list. So maybe check that out, go through it together, and then figure out where your overlapping preferences are when it comes to sex, or things that you'd like to try, or are willing to try even. All right, question number six. My wife and I had a long talk about our sex life after I found this podcast. We average having sex about once every five weeks. I encourage us to have it more often, but she's not interested. When we do have sex, it's fairly unfulfilling, as it seems one-sided on who's doing the work. Me. I've asked her to use a Christian Friendly Sex Positions website to maybe see if there are other positions we could try, and she doesn't even want to look because it's, quote-unquote, gross. I brought up conversations that we had during premarital counseling where she said she was a sexual person, and when we spoke about sex, I told her I would want sex three to five times a week, and she said that sounded like a lot. The pastor facilitating said most couples are somewhere between two to three times per week. Our last conversation didn't end super well, as she kind of blew up at me for, quote, always trying to push her into doing something new, always trying to get her to have sex with me, and not being okay with what she gives me, end quote. She said she seems like I'm always just trying to get off and not that I want anything else from it. I don't know what I'm doing that gives off that vibe. But at the end of the day, that's kind of a big portion of sex anyways, isn't it? The fun aspect? We just ended the conversation, and I really don't know what to say about it. How should I approach the topic again? I would hazard a guess that there's some psychological block, shame, guilt, or other hang-up about sex. I mean, I think most Christian women do actually experience this in some levels. Uh, Many men do as well, but we somehow still manage to grow up believing we're sexual beings, whereas Christian women tend to get the message that they're sexual objects uh, if they like sex. So then for many of them, their views on sex is that it's gross, dirty, sinful, shameful, etc. Looking at something like Christian-friendly sex positions to them feels vulgar because they associate it with sex, a quote-unquote gross topic. Whereas men, I think, put themselves in the positions as sexual beings and think, that would be fun to do with the love of my life and see her get pleasure out of it. Um, and I, so I think maybe step back and try to address the underlying issue first. I'd highly recommend the book Intimacy Ignited. I'll link to it in the show notes. Um, read it as a couple and do the discussions to get questions together and talk about intimacy and sex and all those things from a biblical perspective. If there's a bigger issue there that you two talking through can't resolve, then maybe engage in a Christian therapist to work through the deeper issues. Question number seven is, is it okay to masturbate with my wife as part of foreplay? Sometimes we masturbate till we come. Is this a sin? I don't think it's a sin. I have an entire post on mutual masturbation. I did a survey about it as well a while back. Uh, I'll link to both of those in the show notes and you can check them out and decide for yourself. And lastly, a very quick question, how can I make my wife have a nipple orgasm? I can't claim any expertise in this area as we are as yet unsuccessful at our attempts, but we have tried in the past and got close and just the trying was fun, even if we didn't exceed. Uh, The basic process we used was get her incredibly aroused, like try edging her for a while so that it really doesn't take much just to like push her over and then stimulate her nipples. Now, this comes with a huge condition. She has to really like nipple stipulation at the time. Uh, For many women, this means she has to be aroused enough at the right time of the month, and child-rearing activities, so pregnancy, birthing, breastfeeding in particular, will potentially throw all these things off. Uh, They can all play either a positive or a negative role, depending on the wife. But yeah, basically just get her ridiculously turned on to the point that almost anything would have her achieve an orgasm, and then try to do that. Uh, I don't know of a better process than that. And that's it for this round of questions. If you have a question of your own, you can ask it on our anonymous Have a Question page. It'll be linked to in the show notes. Or you can email me directly at j at uncoveringintimacy.com. I'm still trying to catch up on all my emails from moving this summer. So if you haven't gotten a response back, yet uh, asked for just a bit more patience Uh, this month I didn't manage to do more than one because uh, we did a webinar and kicked off a new cohort for our becoming more sexually engaged course Uh, but next month I'm hoping to get two or three out so stay tuned for that plus I have some other exciting bits of news coming up uh, but I don't have enough details yet to share them so join the mailing list if you haven't yet Link to that is in the show notes as well as always A huge thank you to all our supporters, Uh, couldn't do this without all of them, honestly. uh, They are so encouraging and helpful in their discussions, and even when we have difficult discussions, well, it's just an awesome community to be in, so thank you all. And if you're not one of our supporters, but you're thinking about it, uh, why not give it a try? You know, A dollar a month and you can check out the forum and see if it's a place for you or not. And if not, that's okay, you can leave no one's going to hunt you down or try to get you to stay if you don't want to be there. Anyways, that's it for now. Talk to you next time.